So yeah, Syntropy, then how it relates to future-proofing F&Q in the context of this series. Um, for me, I have come to heavily involve myself in the understandings of Syntropic Agroforestry. And it's, in my most recent understanding of it, it's, it's the future of food production for any community anywhere, because what it in, in essence really does, it, it works with life as opposed to trying to control and dominate it. And so it makes use of the functions that life, that, that, agri that happens in agriculture, that naturally occur. And it's making use of all the stages of what the strategy of living life really holds. And what that really is in the forest around us is that when you create a, a, a huge clearing, like you totally clear land, we will have grasses come first, and after the grasses, shrubs, and after the shrubs, there will be pioneer species. And after the pioneer species comes, there is the next succession of tree species that comes about. And so life is continuously working and moving towards creating more biodiversity, more life of itself to the point where if we sit and observe a cleared landscape for 30 years, it will be entirely reforested. And this is, syntropic agroforestry is really understanding on how life functions within an agroforest and what current agriculture hasn't really integrated although there is a department of um, food forestry or there is uh, orchards that um, use trees, is that life really works and gets catalyzed most when trees are involved in the ecosystem. Um, it's because of hy their hydrological cycles and their nutrient cycles and the soil web that their root structures go into that go way beyond the little parsley plant. And so the communication that happens in the soil web when trees are involved is hugely enhanced. And the biodiversity and the micro microbial life forms that can actually come about because the trees are performing all sorts of nutrient exchange functions um, is really enhanced, which builds the resilience of that ecosystem underground, which means that the resilience above the ground is um, equally reflected. And what Syntropic Agroforestry really is offering is a way for farmers. It's the, when I connected with it, I saw, because I have a permaculture orientation and background, and I recognized that Syntropic Agroforestry is a permaculture mindset in a way as it comes to food production but with the commercial incentive to it. And so because of the way that it's working with how food production and the cycles of individual plant species uh, operate, it's really become evident to me that if farmers were or individuals were to engage with this in their own settings, wherever they're producing food, that their dependency on external outputs will be entirely reduced because when we look at the forest, nobody's fertilizing and nobody's 
doing anything to make this forest become more abundant of itself. And so that's what life naturally does. And so that is the syntropic strategy that life is innately operating from. It's syntropy is basically what life is doing. And it's, it's a sound that has a counterpart, which is entropy. And entropy is, um, well, from a human perspective, if syntropy is abundance, and that's where the spiral of succession of growth in a forest is working towards, it's working towards creating so much abundance that over time the seasonal creeks will be permanent creeks. And it's because of the water retention of the trees and the cycling of, um, of water that occurs when trees are in abundance. And so if syntropy is abundance, then entropy is really lack and scarcity. And this has actually been a human mentality that predominantly industrial agriculture has been really operating from for the benefit and only for the benefit of the industrial fertilizing and chemical compound creating companies that have really disassociated farmers through their means of proving all of their theses and fantasies that their production will increase and that their um, yields will improve and we all know about the whole Monsanto you know, paradigm and we know of all the offshoots of that and that paradigm of food producing in a sense with industrial chemical compounds is unsustainable to start with but it doesn't it doesn't improve life and so what it really does it depletes soils it depletes ecosystems it therefore depletes the health and the vitality of the human ecosystem and we now are in a food paradigm if we were just to go and get all of our food from the so-called place of supermarket which isn't even super if we were to just feed ourselves with what we can get from those places, we end up with all the degenerative diseases that are so prevalent in our current societal framework. And this is ultimately all based because there's an entropic mentality which is based on scarcity and lack. But when we create scarcity and lack as corporations, then the price of what we are putting out in the market will go up and the demand will increase because we're promoting it in ways but what it does it leaves people out and so now we had as a way to compensate organic as a standard but that also is still in an entropic system because not everybody can afford that and so when we are reapproaching our food producing culture and from a syntropic orientation we will actually be working with an orientation that is about abundance that is about generating abundance primarily in the soil of life life diversity life accumulation and so that that amount of life density can rise so that we can produce more we need less ways to offset pests and diseases that actually only ever come into any system to indicate that there's something lacking.
And so the, the way that Syntropy really is approached in Syntropic Agroforestry is just to question the function of everything that we observe. And so when we have trees and the trees on the outside of their leaves are having bugs attack it or they have black spot on it, we can do whatever we want on the outside of the trees and we can think, well, we're going to prune it and we're going to do all these things or we're going to spray it. The root and the origin of that di this disease that is, or the discoloration, whatever it is that we observe, doesn't sit in the leaves. It sits in the soil. And so all the way from the branches of the trees, it goes down to the trunk, into the roots, because that's where the disharmony actually exists. And so in syntropic agroforestry, we question the function of each plant species in the system, how it operates, how long its life cycle is, how it can be nurtured by another species that if this one only takes 25 days to come into full expression of itself, for instance coriander or lettuces that have a really short life cycle, what can we plant right behind it so that when the lettuces come out they have actually nurtured and supported the next plant that comes right with it. And in permaculture there's a lot of companion planting and there's a lot of ways to combine in a little garden setting um, plant species that benefit each other, that have a beneficial um, relationship with each other. And in syntropic agroforestry it's really looking at it from a farming perspective. And so when we design systems and we plant out systems, we're looking at planting out systems for the next 10 years. And that gets us really into the detail of having to comprehend how the different plants function, what their life cycles are, what their light requirements are. Because if we're going to be planting lettuce under big trees, well, lettuce is a, a, a plant species that really needs light because that's what all life draws its capacity to grow from. If we take the sun out of the equation, well, then we can't have plants, really. Um, so it's really an introspective way to relating to our agroforest that we want to plant, our garden plot that we are already maintaining. And it's building more and more life into those systems. So from a fruit-producing way, uh, or looking at, at food production, syntropic agroforestry is the future of farming because the entropic way of doing it is very self-evidently simply not working. It's not making farmers more uh, wealthy, it's not making them more healthy, it's not making our community more wealthy or healthy, simply because the chemical compounds that are being used are not natural compounds found in, in the microbial uh, life forms that are there and science has developed many ways that microbes and life in the soil can still work but this simple formula of MPK is just not enough and it's proven all around the world from dust bowls to um, pests and diseases that spread through entire species of plants like the Panama disease that is such a um, 
it's such a terror for so many farmers. You know, now we've got all this quarantine on farms all throughout the tablelands where trucks can't enter beyond a certain point because if they take soil from that land and if the strain of this Panama disease is maybe active, it can be transported. And so we have come now to a place in this industrial food producing system that we're only creating more boxes of security and it's all in this dominating controlling but really what it comes from fear which comes from lack which comes from the fear of well if we don't do this then we're gonna lose the farm and it's trying to fix problems that are not addressing the problem it's like the way that the medical industry is working it's not it's called a medical industry it's not a healing industry it's not taking people into hospitals and really working on healing their own whole organism. It's like, well, you've got this particular thing. Here is the drugs. Here are the things that will help you deal with this and maybe suppress the symptoms. But each symptom in each system, whether human or out in nature, is performing a function to indicate that there is greater dissonance going on in the larger organism. And so this decompartmentalization that has been so prevalent in the industrial mindset is not actually looking at the whole system as a whole. And this is where I see that Syntropic Agroforestry has a real beautiful and financially beneficial um, strategy to share and to offer. Brazil is being absolutely covered in a wave of transitioning into food production that is for the people and innately that it's for life because when we start working with life in our agroforest to <clears throat> enhance and to activate the density of life that is within that system syntropy is abundance and that will naturally transform itself into financial abundance as a return. where we don't take from the land to create financial return, to put back into the land financial inputs to then take from it. It's been evident that in industrial agriculture more is taken than there is being restored. And so Syntropic Agroforestry is really just shifting that orientation and that paradigm to spending time forming a relationship again and educating ourselves as to how life actually functions.
And where I've taken Syntropic Agroforestry and Syntropy as a concept is how does that integrate into the human organism? And I've done a lot of introspective explorations um, because everything in life performs a function. Every plant species has many, many functions. And we as humans have a whole range of faculties within ourselves um, from memories to feelings to all sorts of experiences that come up. And guess what? They all perform a function. And so I've been looking at human nature, what our human nature is, what our human culture in a natural frequency really is by default. And in that, I've really discovered that. We've been heavily programmed with a way of orientating ourselves towards life and navigating this matrix that we have created that isn't actually restoring, regenerative. It's more offering people coping mechanisms or giving them means to still feel good about where they are in their lives, but we're no longer really connected as community. We're very much isolated even within ourselves um, from family, from tribe, from um, neighbors. And I have a feeling that all of this stems from the industrial mindset of the last hundred years. Our educational paradigm is founded on an idea that we wanted to, as the factory owners of that time, wanted to train people in a way that they would be good factory workers. Well, we're still having kids sitting in, in lines, raising their hands if they can go to the toilet, asking for permission in order to give them a, a basis for a future. And so I see syntropy having huge implications into the future simply because it is coming back into resonance with life and respecting life. Because when we, when we don't do that, when we say, well, you're this and I'm going to put you this and this is how it's going to work, we're not actually questioning what that life form actually has as an interrelated species within the larger organism, what, what its many functions are and how it would most beneficially function um, in, in relationship to everything around it. And so I see syntropy entering into the business um, mentality and the way that businesses shape and orientate themselves. And we've already been into a successional stage of business enterprise where social enterprise seems to be uh, a step forward. But I see syntropy entering into the culture, not just of business, but of government, governance and government. Because when the entropic orientation remains in place, decision-making will, from top-down structures, come into the day-to-day -day life um, applying itself in a way where we're not looking at the interrelated aspects. And a lot of people will be like, wow, that's going to be so much and we're going to restructure. Well, the path we're on is unsustainable. We're taking from life more than what we're returning. And our communities are being disassociated from themselves. And everybody that has a sense of wanting good for our community, wanting good for the 
richness of our biological environment, we all have and carry within us that innate sense that community and how we do things together is important. Well, quite frankly, it totally is. It's paramount to human existence on Earth. And when we step out of that isolated aspect of, or that isolated way of relating to life and to community and to governance and to finance and to agriculture, and we humble ourselves as humans again to step out of this idea that we know everything, because obviously it's really self-evident that we don't, that we actually don't have a clue in this industrial system that we've set up. We really don't have a clue, and a lot of people are walking around entirely clueless. They're so over-stimulated with digital devices and advertisement coming into their brain um, all over the place that they don't even know who they are as an individual. So we sort of use television and the imprints which we receive from that to sort of create identities by ourselves and we give ourselves little name batches. And that can all be relevant. But if it's on an internal level really just, just trying to mask that we're not happy that we don't feel healthy, that we don't feel connected. These are intrinsic values of the human experience that are exactly that, intrinsic. They are something that makes us human. And if we further this path of not honoring our intrinsic values and instilling those intrinsic values in our business models, in our governance models, in our ways that we as communities go about resolving issues with the old paradigm, we're just going to keep trotting along, maybe with resistance and maybe with some adaptation here and there, but we're going to be trotting along the same path that we're on, maybe thinking that we're causing some positive change, but what I'm seeing that Syntropy has to offer is a cultural mindset change that will actually over time become fulfilling, it will reconnect us, and it will honor the intrinsic values that we as humans, we are part of life. We are not separate, we are not a part of it. We are in an intimate relationship with life. Imagine that we all stopped eating food tomorrow. Our dependency on life in the food production system that we have is paramount. And so I see that syntropic agroforestry, particularly in an area where we can grow about 85% of all the fruits and vegetables that we can grow, like if you go from Ravenshoe to Cooktown um, to Cairns, in that triangle, 85% of all fruits and vegetables can be produced on a seasonal year-round basis. It's just that many of the approaches are very mono. They're very, I grow garlic, I grow potatoes. And once we're in mono, we're in the industrial system of having to counteract all sorts of results of doing things mono style. 
And Syntropic Agroforestry is biodiversity. It is enhancing the biodiversity of any landscape so that we, we as the humans can fully benefit from the effects that it has when we are navigating our food producing systems in an orientation that is actually enhancing each plant species ability to perform its function in the system and this will over time radically change the way that farmers are relating to their own agroforest, their own paddocks. The beautiful thing about it is it's not about getting farmers to change what they're doing. It's just showing them how life is really operating in food producing systems in a way that generates abundance and lessens the dependency on a system that is actually crippling them. The highest mortality rate of suicide is in the farming community in Australia. And this is not because farmers don't want to grow food anymore. This is because the financial ramifications of a mono-cropping farm system, which is that industrial and tropic mindset, is crippling and shackling them to the point where they don't see a way out. Well, if food is the foundation of our human culture on this land, then it would be really, really relevant that we start with food production and take that out of entropy into syntropy. And I see for myself that when farmers engage with this, they naturally want to know more about their soil. They naturally want to know more about the health of their plants. Why? Because their financial security is also tied into that. And so I see that not only will it be able to give farmers more understanding, because mono-cropping industrial agriculture doesn't, they set up departments from that. Uh, for that. It's, it's DPI that, you know, farmers like, well, I got this situation. They call up the guys and the guys come and they've all been trained in the same mindset and they say, well, you need to spray this and you need to do that. But the farmer didn't really question what's really going on here. He just gets an answer from a guy that, yeah, helps them to continue growing and farming. But in the process, it may not necessarily address the real issue. And what the real issue is, is that biodiversity on mainstream farms is non-existent. Banana farms, sweet potato farms. And so it's an invitation for pests and diseases to come in because we got a monocrop here. We got an entire feedlot for grasshoppers. And so they will come. What Syntropic Agroforestry does as well, it diversifies. It diversifies um, the, the cropping that a farmer can produce. And so from just being an avocado grower, he may end up growing taro, cassava, um, bananas, oranges, um, herbs. And he may not necessarily want to get into the process of retailing all these products or, or getting them to market. But what he will see is that when he inter intercrops those other species into his avocado farm that is existing, his avocados are healthier, they produce better, 
the annual yield increases, when we enhance soil life in our soil structures by applying these centropic strategies and really working with um, experience that is already held and understood for over 30, 40, 50 years. Centropic agroforestry is actually one of the most old forms of farming that really exists. Ancient indigenous wisdom cultures have companion planted and planted out food forest. That's just how they did it. They had that connection, they had that comprehension. And that has all come about through experience, trial and error. But what doesn't have to happen in centropic agroforestry is you don't have to trial and error all the time because there is a wealth of resources available, all based on practical experience that really allows people just simply tap into that. So it's not like, oh, I gotta start from scratch, how do I do this? It's about applying systems that have already been proven to work, that are already benefiting in so many ways the, the capacity to produce more, ultimately, abundance. And I see in that that, that that's a form uh, for the future of F&Q that is going to take at least our food production side into a healthy realm where the food is more nutrient dense, the farms are more resilient. Um, so we need less legislation, we need less domination, we need less of that governing structure on top of it, um, just so that the farms can actually be more on their own account, their own governance. And I feel that that's really healthy because from a human perspective, self-governance is a really, really healthy and relevant. And it's actually just only natural to be self-governing. And I see when I look around me that there's a lot of people that aren't operating like that. They're not happy being governed by the government and complain about all the things that they do or do not do right and yet their own self-governance when I look at some unhealthy people walking around is obviously not within them and this is something that I see streaming into education for our younglings that our industrial educational paradigm that we have at this point is not giving them the fulfillment to discover who they are what is their talent and what is their function? What is really in their heart? What is their spirit within their organism really here for? Because each individual human comes to the earth with talents and gifts that are sort of like shrunken through the period of, I call it deducation, to several outstreams that you can come into. You can end up being this or that or that or that or that. And the creative arts are being defunded. So we're, 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 because it doesn't make financial sense or whatever the reasoning around it is, it comes from entropy. It's not looking at our human community as an Australian community in the larger context of how do we honor the intrinsic values 
because art and creative expression have been with humanity ever since the dawn of humanity. And so to actually emphasize and create emphasis for creative expression so that the uniqueness of the individual can actually sprout and emerge, to me, that's something that's going to stream into education at some point. And of course, Steiner and Montessori, these are forms of engaging with younglings that allows them to discover more about themselves. But as soon as they come out of that, you're back into the old mold. And that mold has a lot of cracks on it. And it's just being plastered and plastered. And actually, it's being reinforced with more rebarb. And actually, that part, we just need to take off and we just need to create it more firm. Because the mentality that resides in our political system, as I see it, is all about economic growth, this infinite growth model that just keeps going up and up and up and up. It's like building a bridge off a cliff into infinity. And then as soon as it crumbles, we're just going to reinforce it. And we're just going to cut off any superfluous elements. But the superfluous elements that are being cut off is the heart of humanity, is the heart of community, is, is that fabric that really makes us feel, wow, we are alive. We are here. We are here to co-create. Our current culture isn't really about co-creating. It's about you in your own form making it work for your own self. And then if you have time left to extend into the community, that's great, but the mold is already pretty tight that you don't have a lot of energy for that. And that mold over time is going to be changed over. And there's many forms that I see coming about, um, particularly in governance, what I see is very transformative that's coming in, which is, it's digitally cent centropic in a way is um, blockchain technology and cryptocurrency. And what is our current entropic model is a centralized way of governing basically everything. And what is on its way, and it's only natural for that to come about, is to decentralize governance, um, systems of finance, the banking um, forms are being heavily affected and push towards transition to decentralize the way that they operate. But when we really start looking down at what decentralized and centralized storing and exchanging of information systems really look like, blockchain is very self-evidently proving and showcasing that it is a way more resilient, diverse and optimized way to actually go about navigating the societal framework that we're currently in and by engaging in blockchain technology we're going to transform the way that information flows the way that decision-making processes are coming about and the way therefore that the active um, expressions of that come about and so i see in that um, blockchain and also cryptocurrency um, in what it offers through this technological uh, means is that it's going to bring people out of this entropic orientation into a centropic way of relating. And these are issues that we all, in, I really feel that in our generation, we are going to face this. And we're going to have to. 
Because at some point, the agroforest outside, if we're applying it in a monoculture sense, it's getting diseased to a point where if we don't change radically what we're doing, that farmland is a write-off. We are the farmland of our own community. The way that humans relate to life and each other and the way that we govern, the way that we do decision-making processes, the way that we exchange energy, the way that we transport and distribute energy, whether it's food or resources of other types, we are going to have to have a really good look at how things are being done now. And I see that we can take many little steps that are small coping mechanisms to slowly transition, but I really see that this slow transition is not actually going to give us enough time to allow my children and their children's children to step into their strength when they are reaching adolescence to craft and bring about the changes that are actually required right here, right now, in this generation. Because their resources will have been more depleted. Their life availability of what, what we require as humans will have become even more centralized. And what centralization really means is corporatization. And so the two giants in our so-called supermarket industry will just have dwarfed. And I have an intimate understanding of what that giant influence does on the farming community. And so we're talking about an interwoven, totally interconnected reality, a fabric of life that all humans are participating in. And the way that the corporatized system and, and with that the centralized system and with that the entropic system of dominance creating lack and scarcity for the increase of economic wealth so that we can build more and we can create more. We're just creating more of the same things that aren't actually working because the intrinsic values of the human spirit, of the human spirit in the community is not being nurtured. And so I really feel that Centropic Agroforestry coming into Australia for the first time last year is going to assist the foundation of human existence on this land to transform its own self, to become its own self-governance and restore the life and vitality on their own farmland so that that, that that will on flow into the community around. But I, with that, see a very strong need. And, and I call it a need because it's what life wants. Life doesn't want boxing and centralized systems. That is not what life is. Life is an interconnected web of living sentience, and so what life wants is for it to be engaged with so that it can flow with us. And what the forest does, and when we work with that dynamic, which is called the forest dynamic, we are able to ride the natural flow of how life creates life effortlessly. There's not a single tree that sits out in the forest and says, oh, it hasn't rained for very long, I'm really pissed off. There is acceptance 
of just what is. But because it has a strategy innately within itself, it is collaborating with all biodiversity around itself as an ecosystem to retain moisture, to retain resilience, so that when the rain comes, then the, the flow-on effects of that will come about and it will equally be distributed and shared so that the entire ecology as a whole can rise and grow because the ultimate strategy of life is to reforest the earth and to, with that, create biosphere systems that are full of abundance, where rivers flow and take all the overabundance to further afar, so that that community of life can benefit, and that can be raised. And so the forest always slowly expands. And on the edge of the forest, in 10 years' time, that won't be the edge anymore, because it has... It has grown again and again and again. This is what I see being a need to enter into the human consciousness. Governance, finance, and the way that we as individuals relate to ourselves, the way that we relate to our landscape, the way that decision-making takes place. And I see that coming and I'm here to focalize around that. Because if we don't, and if we don't step back and look at how did we get here, and we take a real look, well, where did we come from a hundred years ago and where are we now? And where is this trend going, this sort of building of a cliff, this road to infinity that is just a fantasy? Then what life does because of how it is always working for the next succession of life, how are we as humans working for the next succession of human life, the next seven generations? With our current entropic model and our current way of navigating, we don't have a strategy that we're following that thinks even remotely about. No, it's just about right now we need to create more jobs. Right now we need to create more growth. This will be good for the economy because the economy drives everything. Yeah, but the economy is also eroding the entire social, emotional, cultural and even the financial landscape of the people that don't operate in that corporatized structure. And quite frankly, it's not human nature to be corporatized, to be in a corporation, to be working our ways behind computer screens in buildings that are air-conditioned, that are totally ecologically unsound altogether. That's not really what we're here for. And so there is, when we shift our orientation to syntropy, so much more integration in architecture. When syntropy enters architecture, we're actually going to design buildings that are bioresonant to the human inhabitants that sit there. We're not going to have these square corners all the time. We're actually looking at what is the flow in this building. Because when we better the flow in a building, we're better the health of the people in the building. And so we're bettering the outcomes of what the building was built for if there's a corporate entity within that. And so any businessman that understands that it wants to stay in business into the future will hugely benefit from adopting syntropic ways of relating to its business now for the future. 
And yeah, this may very likely mean that some businesses in the future are just not going to be able to be sustained. But that's also because in any system of agroforestry, certain species will naturally leave the system when their function is complete. And so when we have that clearing and it's all grass, then the shrubs come, there's still grass, then the pioneer species come, there's still grass, and then when the next succession comes, because grass has a certain light requirement, grass naturally leaves the system. It just moves out. And that's just a natural flow. And of course humans can be based on lack and fear, be attached to I'm a grass, I want to stay in the system, so I'm going to be a guinea grass, I'm going to be prickly as hell, and I'm just going to stay here, and I'm going to try and try and try. What if that grass species is actually part of the larger e ecosystem? And it is. What if that person that sees itself as a grass can actually transform himself or herself into becoming part of of the next succession because that tree has way more life requirements see the tree as a corporation and see the grass as a business that doesn't actually really enhance life those people can just withdraw and find themselves really beautiful functional placement within a tree species and so I see that there will be a lot of transitioning occurring over the next 10 20 years that can be very painful but if we adopt a centropic way of thinking, we don't have to judge and call something bad. We can just question the function as to what is it doing. Because by saying, ah, oh, this is wrong and I don't want this to happen, we're in stagnance and we're not in flow. We're not accepting that life is ever-changing which is what life is. We want to maintain the status quo and build on the status quo. That doesn't necessarily mean that this tower that we're building that just gets higher and higher and higher, that it's not at some point just totally going to crumble under its own weight. And the question would be, who's going to be at the effect of that crumbling? Not just the people in the building, not just the people that have some form of interrelated activity with those buildings. I'm talking about our children and our children's children and our cultural inheritance that I find really hard to find in the real Australian, so-called Australian cultural mindset. There was a beautiful vibrant culture here and it's being honored and it's being to some degree restored or at least acknowledged and yet from a purely human place our culture is still to emerge itself because we're in a corporate culture we're in a governed culture we're in an educated culture which does not necessarily honor the intrinsic values of what it is to be a human culture and as corny as it sounds that's a culture of love because life is that. The only reason that trees really grow is not because it's just what we do. The incentive to grow within plant species is pleasure. The morphogenetic changes that happens as leaf gro leaves grow from this to this 
it starts occupying more space and all the cellular transitions that occur in that leaf the biochemical compounds that are being released as it grows if you were to combine all of that and put it in a little powder bowl and mix it with some water and then ingest it or you could snort it um, it equates to pleasure and what it really means if you if you take that whole little pile you would have a cosmic orgasm because life and its way of growing is founded on unconditional love and love has pleasure in it it's part of life if we don't have pleasure in our life outside of the current pleasures that we can engage in if we don't have pleasure happening for us and we become depressed we become an unhappy culture of humans and so when we enter into a centropic way of relating to ourselves our community and all these things that I've mentioned we will restore joy and pleasure and that isn't complex at all it isn't technologically requiring no it's having celebratory festivals on large meadows with beautiful marquees where people can come and go and life is being celebrated for and by the community where children's dance with flower braided in their hairs it's all that very hippie stuff but is it really hippie or is that actually just a label placed on something that we got so disconnected from that we want to push it away well we can keep pushing it and we can go down the hill here and we can see what pushing that does and if we look at where Cairns was 20 years ago and where Cairns is from this progression going to be in 20 years well then we are pushing against our own selves we're pushing against that hippie part of us but that hippie part of us really is love and connection and it may be that our current culture is not necessarily offering a lot of healing for those parts and I see that that's going to be something that will benefit that we create opportunities not just for, for bandaging our disconnected state but that we go to those places because ultimately intrinsically from within we want pleasure we want connection we want love and we can't get it from a computer screen or a tinder app where we swipe to the right or we swipe to the left we want relationship and why because we are life we are as much life as any other life form out there and we are our own unique species but that doesn't mean that therefore we are different to life we still want connection we still want relationship because what that does it enhances how we feel how we operate together as a community and what we can co-create and collaborate on in our projects in our ideas in our fantasies in our future dreamings and what those future dreamings should be about from a centropic place is the next generations that are to come what are we handing over what are we giving to them and is it what we're giving something that is going to be a burden or a blessing and at the present moment we're somewhere in between it sort of looks like a blessing because you can go and get all this stuff and buy all these things and increase all your bills and try and cut costs it's all very lovely 
but everybody's sitting in their own little box. And so councils will become councils of community. And those councils will really be looking at how can we make people more happy. Because when people are happy, they happily pay the rates. But when people are not happy, and that is what government, if in, in any sense, would really be responsible for. The health and well-being of the people on the land. And not to take them by the hand and say, I ah, just go to the doctor and we have a little establishment here for you. No, the health and well-being from within. And that's understood on the table ends to some degree. And there's little trottings going into that. And I was part of the, the planning for the TRC um, years back. And one of their outcomes was health and well-being expos. Because they started to understand by really inquiring what people really wanted through all the workshops and all the the brainstorms and the heartstorming that was happening amongst over, I think, 300 people all up, they really derived a manual for the next so many years. And, and I think the planning was to go to 2020. Well, we're in 2018. There's been changeover in governance and so forth, and therefore I see that within the foundations of councils, new instillments need to be installed. And they need to come from the people. Because the entropic mindset in that structure is open to hearing different opinions. But they're in the same rat race that everybody else is trying to chase their own tail to make ends meet and keep growth happening. And so, syntropy is the future of life. And the reason for that is that syntropy is life. And so, when we don't adopt a syntropic way of relating to life, to governance, to whatever our engagement as humans is on this land, we're going to leave the future generations really strapped, like severely strapped for resources. And that may be a really good thing. Because if we can't do it, because the corporatized entropic structure is too tense and unwilling to shift, that tower will crumble. But the thing is that the way that life in the agroforest works is that there is no such thing as waste. There will be a time of like, wow, this is... Trauma release will come about in epic proportions. But all of that is required to birth a new humanity, a new human expression. If we can't make the transition from the highway path that we're on to the narrow path that is intertwined, it's a bush path, it's a path that is part of life. It doesn't mean we won't be driving cars, but we'll be driving electrical cars, and we'll be having community cars, and we'll have bus systems that are operating in ways that are way more efficient than they're currently operating and maybe we can't see that yet but that's because we're looking through the entropic lens fear lack scarcity domination control staying in control making sure making sure syntropy is about surrendering again it's about letting go and and not just letting go and be like oh i don't know no question 
what the function is. And that's all there's really to it in Centropic Agroforestry is just to question the function of everything that happens in that agroforest. But in, similarly, we can apply those questions and that natural curiosity. All children walk with this. Oh, why? Why? What are they asking? They're questioning the function. They're not looking for a box. They're just curious. How does it all work? How, and that gets slowly but surely whacked out of them because, because it is, in 1880, this is what happened. And in 1990, this is what happened. And when that curiosity is shut down, well, we're only going to have more of what seems to work maybe on a global economic scale, but on the human culture in our own little communities it's it's stripping our soils from the abundance and the beauty and the enjoyment and the pleasure that there really is to have so i see syntropy having some great offerings and and as i said if if we can't make that transition swiftly over the next 10 years um, in a healthy format that's okay too because there is no such thing as waste. It will just be an epic learning ground. And all of that learning of everything that didn't work will be shifted into syntropic ways of relating to life in a heartbeat. Because we've hit the wall. Because we've come to a place where, oh, we ran out of oil. Oh, we ran out of, oh, our food is just totally poison. Oh, well, that doesn't mean that life stops. It just means that we've just really cleared the rich biodiversity of Australia back to the bare soil. But what life does, with whatever minimal amount of life resources it has, it regenerates. And it regenerates. And the beautiful thing about humans is, is that we are so gifted with talents and skills to foresee future, to imagine, to co-create, to design, to... Wow! The, the heart of humanity is so rich that if we ever were to come to that stop, that the generation that will be in charge then will, will actually have that heart opened up. And so in that, I don't see that anything is negative in this when I call the entropic dominating paradigm that we're in I don't put that in a box it's just where we are and really it only performs a function to show us where we don't really actually would want to be continuing onward and so syntropy is the future for life because it is life This is something that I see streaming into education for our younglings, that our industrial educational paradigm that we have at this point is not giving them the fulfillment to discover who they are, what is their talent and what is their function, what is really in their heart, what is their spirit within their organism really here for. 
Because each individual human comes to the earth with talents and gifts that are sort of like shrunken through the period of, I call it dedication, to several outstreams that you can come into. You can end up being this or that or that or that or that. And the creative arts are being defunded. So we're, we're, we're because it doesn't make financial sense or whatever the reasoning around it is, it comes from entropy. It's not looking at our human community in the larger context of how do we honor the intrinsic values because art and creative expression have been with humanity ever since the dawn of humanity. And so to actually emphasize and create emphasis for creative expression so that the uniqueness of the individual can actually sprout and emerge, to me, that's something that's going to stream into education at some point. And of course, Steiner and Montessori, these are forms of engaging with younglings that allows them to discover more about themselves but as soon as they come out of that you're back into the old mold and that mold has a lot of cracks on it and it's just being plastered and plastered and actually it's being reinforced with more rebarb and actually that part we just need to take off and we just need to create it more firm because the mentality that resides in our political system, as I see it, is all about economic growth, this infinite growth model that just keeps going up and up and up and up. It's like building a bridge off a cliff into infinity. And then as soon as it crumbles, we're just going to reinforce it. And we're just going to cut off any superfluous elements. But the superfluous elements that are being cut off is the heart of humanity, is the heart of community, is, is that fabric that really makes us feel, wow, we are alive, we are here, we are here to co-create. Our current culture isn't really about co-creating. It's about you in your own form, making it work for your own self. And then if you have time left to extend into the community, that's great, but the mold is already pretty tight that you don't have a lot of energy for that. And that mold over time is gonna be changed over. And there's many forms that I see coming about. Um, particularly in governance, what I see is very transformative that's coming in, which is, it's digitally centropic in a way, is um, blockchain technology and cryptocurrency. And what is our current entropic model is a centralized way of governing basically everything. And what is on its way, and it's only natural for that to come about, is to decentralize governance, um, systems of finance, the banking um, forms are being heavily affected and pushed towards transition to decentralize the way that they operate. But when we really start looking down at what decentralized and centralized storing and exchanging of information systems really look like, blockchain is very self-evidently proving and showcasing 
that it is a way more resilient, diverse and optimized way to actually go about navigating the societal framework that we're currently in. And by engaging in blockchain technology, we're going to transform the way that information flows, the way that decision-making processes are coming about, and the way, therefore, that the active um, expressions of that come about. And so I see in that um, blockchain and also cryptocurrency um, in what it offers through this technological uh, means is that it's going to bring people out of this entropic orientation into a centropic way of relating. And these are issues that we all, in, I really feel that in our generation, we are going to face this and we're going to have to. Because at some point, the agroforest outside, if we're applying it in a monoculture sense, it's getting diseased to a point where if we don't change radically what we're doing, that farmland is a write-off. We are the farmland of our own community. The way that humans relate to life and each other and the way that we govern, the way that we do decision-making processes, the way that we exchange energy, the way that we transport and distribute energy, whether it's food or resources of other types, we are going to have to have a really good look at how things are being done now. And I see that we can take many little steps that are small coping mechanisms to slowly transition. But I really see that this slow transition is not actually going to give us enough time to allow my children and their children's children to step into their strength when they are reaching adolescence to craft and bring about the changes that are actually required right here right now in this generation because their resources will have been more depleted their life availability of what what we require as humans will have become even more centralized and what centralization really means is corporatization. And so the two giants in our so-called supermarket industry will just have dwarfed. And I have an intimate understanding of what that giant influence does on the farming community. And so we're talking about an interwoven, totally interconnected reality a fabric of life that all humans are participating in and the way that the corporatized system and, and with that the centralized system and with that the entropic system of dominance creating lack and scarcity for the increase of economic wealth so that we can build more and we can create more we're just creating more of the same things that aren't actually working because the intrinsic values of the human spirit, of the human spirit in the community, is not being nurtured. And so, 
I really feel that centropic agroforestry is going to assist the foundation of human existence on this land to transform its own self, to become its own self-governance and restore the life and vitality on their own farmland so that that, that that will onflow into the community around. But I, with that, see a very strong need. And, and I call it a need because it's what life wants. Life doesn't want boxing and centralized systems. That is not what life is. Life is an interconnected web of living sentience. And so what life wants is for it to be engaged with so that it can flow with us. And what the forest does, and when we work with that dynamic, which is called the forest dynamic, we are able to ride the natural flow of how life creates life effortlessly. There's not a single tree that sits out in the forest and says, oh, it hasn't rained for very long, I'm really pissed off. There is acceptance of just what is. But because it has a strategy innately within itself, it is collaborating with all biodiversity around itself as an ecosystem to retain moisture, to retain resilience, so that when the rain comes, then the, the flow-on effects of that will come about and it will equally be distributed and shared so that the entire ecology as a whole can rise and grow because the ultimate strategy of life is to reforest the earth and to, with that, create biosphere systems that are full of abundance where rivers flow and take all the overabundance to further afar so that that community of life can benefit and that can be raised and so the forest always slowly expands and on the edge of the forest in 10 years time that won't be the edge anymore because it has it has grown again and again and again This is what I see being a need to enter into the human consciousness. Governance, finance, and the way that we as individuals relate to ourselves, the way that we relate to our landscape, the way that decision-making takes place. And I see that coming and I'm here to focalize around that. Because if we don't, and if we don't step back and look at how did we get here, and we take a real look, well, where did we come from a hundred years ago and where are we now? And where is this trend going, this sort of building of a cliff, this road to infinity that is just a fantasy? Then what life does because of how it is always working for the next succession of life, how are we as humans working for the next succession of human life, the next seven generations? With our current entropic model and our current way of navigating, we don't have a strategy that we're following that thinks even remotely about. No, it's just about right now we need to create more jobs. Right now we need to create more growth. This will be good for the economy because the economy drives everything. Yeah, but the economy is also eroding the entire social, emotional, cultural 
and even the financial landscape of the people that don't operate in that corporatized structure. And quite frankly, it's not human nature to be corporatized, to be in a corporation, to be working our ways behind computer screens in buildings that are air-conditioned, that are totally ecologically unsound altogether. That's not really what we're here for. And so there is, when we shift our orientation to syntropy, so much more integration in architecture. When syntropy enters architecture, we're actually going to design buildings that are bioresonant to the human inhabitants that sit there. We're not going to have these square corners all the time. We're actually looking at what is the flow in this building. Because when we better the flow in a building, we're better the health of the people in the building. And so we're bettering the outcomes of what the building was built for if there's a corporate entity within that. And so any businessman that understands that it wants to stay in business into the future will hugely benefit from adopting syntropic ways of relating to its business now for the future. And yeah, this may very likely mean that some businesses in the future are just not going to be able to be sustained. But that's also because in any system of agroforestry, certain species will naturally leave the system when their function is complete. And so when we have that clearing and it's all grass, then the shrubs come, there's still grass, then the pioneer species come, there's still grass. And then when the next succession comes, because grass has a certain light requirement, grass naturally leaves the system. It just moves out. And that's just a natural flow. And of course, humans can be based on lack and fear, be attached to, I'm a grass, I want to stay in the system, so I'm going to be a guinea grass, I'm going to be prickly as hell, and I'm just going to stay here, and I'm going to try and try and try. What if that grass species is actually part of the larger e ecosystem and it is what if that person that sees itself as a grass can actually transform himself or herself into becoming part of the next succession because that tree has way more life requirements see the tree as a corporation and see the grass as a business that doesn't actually really enhance life those people can just withdraw and find themselves really beautiful functional placement within a tree species. And so I see that there will be a lot of transitioning occurring over the next 10, 20 years. That can be very painful, but if we adopt a syntropic way of thinking, we don't have to judge and call something bad. We can just question the function as to what is it doing. Because by saying, ah, oh, this is wrong and I don't want this to happen, we're in stagnance and we're not in flow. We're not accepting that life is ever-changing, which is what life is. We want to maintain the status quo and build on the status quo. That doesn't necessarily mean that this 
tower that we're building that just gets higher and higher and higher, that it's not at some point just totally going to crumble under its own weight. And the question would be, who's going to be at the effect of that crumbling? Not just the people in the building, not just the people that have some form of interrelated activity with those buildings. I'm talking about our children and our children's children and our cultural inheritance that I find really hard to find in the cultural mindset. From a purely human place, our culture is still to emerge itself because we're in a corporate culture, we're in a governed culture, we're in an educated culture which does not necessarily honor the intrinsic values of what it is to be a human culture. And as corny as it sounds, that's a culture of love because life is that. And yeah, this may very likely mean that some businesses in the future are just not going to be able to be sustained. But that's also because in any system of agroforestry, certain species will naturally leave the system when their function is complete. And so when we have that clearing and it's all grass, then the shrubs come, there's still grass, then the pioneer species come, there's still grass. And then when the next succession comes, because grass has a certain light requirement, grass naturally leaves the system. It just moves out. And that's just a natural flow. And of course, humans can be based on lack and fear, be attached to, I'm a grass, I want to stay in the system, so I'm going to be a guinea grass, I'm going to be prickly as hell, and I'm just going to stay here, and I'm going to try and try and try. What if that grass species is actually part of the larger e ecosystem and it is what if that person that sees itself as a grass can actually transform himself or herself into becoming part of the next succession because that tree has way more life requirements see the tree as a corporation and see the grass as a business that doesn't actually really enhance life those people can just withdraw and find themselves really beautiful functional placement within a tree species. And so I see that there will be a lot of transitioning occurring over the next 10, 20 years. That can be very painful, but if we adopt a centropic way of thinking, we don't have to judge and call something bad. We can just question the function as to what is it doing. Because by saying, ah, oh, this is wrong and I don't want this to happen. We're in stagnance and we're not in flow. We're not accepting that life is ever-changing, which is what life is. We want to maintain the status quo and build on the status quo. That doesn't necessarily mean that this tower that we're building that just gets higher and higher and higher, that it's not at some point just totally going to crumble under its own weight. And the question would be, Who's going to be at the effect of that crumbling? Not just the people in the building, not just the people that have some form of interrelated activity with those buildings. 
I'm talking about our children and our children's children and our cultural inheritance that I find really hard to find in the cultural mindset. From a purely human place, our culture is still to emerge itself because we're in a corporate culture, we're in a governed culture, we're in an educated culture which does not necessarily honor the intrinsic values of what it is to be a human culture. And as corny as it sounds, that's a culture of love because life is that. The only reason that trees really grow is not because it's just what we do. The incentive to grow within plant species is pleasure. The morphogenetic changes that happens as leaf gro leaves grow from this to this, it starts occupying more space and all the cellular transitions that occur in that leaf, the biochemical compounds that are being released as it grows if you were to combine all of that and put it in a little powder bowl and mix it with some water and then ingest it or you could snort it um, it equates to pleasure and what it really means if you if you take that whole little pile you would have a cosmic orgasm because life and its way of growing is founded on unconditional love and love has pleasure in it. It's part of life. If we don't have pleasure in our life outside of the current pleasures that we can engage in, if we don't have pleasure happening for us, we become depressed. We become an unhappy culture of humans. And so when we enter into a centropic way of relating to ourselves, our community, and all these things that I've mentioned, we will restore joy and pleasure and that isn't complex at all. It isn't technologically requiring. No, it's having celebratory festivals on large meadows with beautiful marquees where people can come and go and life is being celebrated for and by the community. Where children's dance with flower braided in their hairs. It's all that very hippie stuff. But is it really hippie or is that actually just a label placed on something that we got so disconnected from that we want to push it away? Well, we can keep pushing it and we can go down the hill here and we can see what pushing that does. Well, then we are pushing against our own selves. We're pushing against that hippie part of us. But that hippie part of us really is love and connection. And it may be that our current culture is not necessarily offering a lot of healing for those parts and I see that that's going to be something that will benefit that we create opportunities not just for for bandaging our disconnected state 
but that we go to those places because ultimately, intrinsically from within, we want pleasure, we want connection, we want love. And we can't get it from a computer screen or a Tinder app where we swipe to the right or we swipe to the left. We want relationship. And why? Because we are life. We are as much life as any other life form out there. And we are our own unique species. But that doesn't mean that therefore we are different to life. We still want connection. We still want relationship because what that does, it enhances how we feel, how we operate together as a community and what we can co-create and collaborate on in our projects, in our ideas, in our fantasies, in our future dreamings and what those future dreamings should be about from a centropic place is the next generations that are to come. What are we handing over? What are we giving to them? And is it what we're giving something that is going to be a burden or a blessing? that within the foundations of councils new instillments need to be installed and they need to come from the people because the entropic mindset in that structure is open to hearing different opinions but they're in the same rat race that everybody else is trying to chase their own tail to make ends meet and keep growth happening and so syntropy is the future of life and the reason for that is that syntropy is life and so when we don't adopt a syntropic way of relating to life to governance to whatever our engagement as humans is on this land we're gonna leave the future generations really strapped like severely strapped for resources and that may be a really good thing because if we can't do it because the corporatized entropic structure is too tense and unwilling to shift, that tower will crumble. But the thing is that the way that life in the agroforest works is that there is no such thing as waste. There will be a time of like, wow, this is... Trauma release will come about in epic proportions. But all of that is required to birth a new humanity, a new human expression. If we can't make the transition from the highway path that we're on to the narrow path that is intertwined, it's a bush path, it's a path that is part of life. It doesn't mean we won't be driving cars, but we'll be driving electrical cars. And we'll be having community cars. And we'll have bus systems that are operating in ways that are way more efficient than they're currently operating and maybe we can't see that yet but that's because we're looking through the entropic lens fear lack scarcity domination control staying in control making sure making sure syntropy is about surrendering again it's about letting go and and not just letting go and be like oh i don't know no question what the function is. And that's all there is really to it in syntropic agroforestry is just to question the function 
of everything that happens in that agroforest. Similarly, we can apply those questions and that natural curiosity. All children walk with this. Oh, why? Why? What are they asking? They're questioning the function. They're not looking for a box. They're just curious. How does it all work? How, and that gets slowly but surely whacked out of them because, because it is, in 1880, this is what happened. And in 1990, this is what happened. And when that curiosity is shut down, well, we're only going to have more of what seems to work maybe on a global economic scale, but on the human culture in our own little communities it's it's stripping our soils from the abundance and the beauty and the enjoyment and the pleasure that there really is to have so i see syntropy having some great offerings As I said, if, if we can't make that transition swiftly over the next 10 years um, in a healthy format, that's okay too, because there is no such thing as waste. It will just be an epic learning ground, and all of that learning of everything that didn't work will be shifted into syntropic ways of relating to life in a heartbeat, because we've hit the wall, because we've come to a place where, oh, our food is just totally poison. Well, that doesn't mean that life stops. It just means that we've just really cleared the rich biodiversity back to the bare soil. But what life does, with whatever minimal amount of life resources it has, it regenerates. And it regenerates. And the beautiful thing about humans is, is that we are so gifted with talents and skills to foresee future, to imagine, to co-create, to design, to... Wow! The, the heart of humanity is so rich that if we ever were to come to that stop, that the generation that will be in charge then will, will actually have that heart opened up. And so in that, I don't see that anything is negative in this, when I call the entropic dominating paradigm that we're in, I don't put that in a box. It's just where we are. And really it only performs a function to show us where we don't really actually would want to be continuing onward. And so, syntropy is the future for life because it is life. <laughs>